Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. Happy birthday. Hey, man. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to us. To us. To the show. To the show. This is Andrew Decker joining me, as always. I was going to introduce you as guest host, but... That'd be... I don't know that I like that. That'd just be incorrect. I want to be co-host. And rude. Yeah. Yeah. So, happy birthday. I mean, okay, so this is three years... Yeah. Right? Absolutely. That we've been doing yeah. this? So this would be like our third birthday, right? Because year one is year zero. We, we, th- yeah. This, we're, we're beginning our fourth year. My goodness. All for an idea that you had threw out to me one time and said, hey, you want to do a podcast? Just randomly. I mean, I had been thinking about it for a while, but honestly, I didn't know that. I didn't think we'd be. You didn't think we'd be. Yeah, we'd on be. On our fourth year, beginning our fourth year. And, and over 10,000 total downloads, right? Yeah. Uh, guests from basically newbie attorneys all the way up through Michael Tiger. Some of the, yeah, some of the mo- more famous attorneys in the uh, nation. In the nation. Yeah. We've had, we've had some good times. We have had some good times and there's more to come. Yeah. Uh, oh, wait, this is not our last episode, is it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you never know. You never know. So, so just so y'all know, occasionally uh, Mr. Harith and I will look at each other and go, so are we going to record another one? <laughs> do we let's see it's always it seems like whenever you know the first or the 15th is coming up we're like slammed with trial or there's a bunch going on or whatever and it's we always manage to to squeeze these in right uh, well and like this week wouldn't be the best idea for me to record but yeah. it's it, it is it has become uh, a little bit of home it, right you know I, I, it is it is uh one of the things that I look forward to in my, in my work, you know, yeah, like, when I, now sometimes getting here, I'm like, Whoa! but when I sit down and the computer goes recording in progress, it's like, okay, let's give this 30, 45 minutes. Yeah. And now I actually read through the listserv emails and looking for, you know, topics. topics. I'm just kind of, kind of cognizant of like topics and maybe some attorneys that we can talk to and, and all that. Right. And, Uh, you know, thankfully now we have listeners that actually like email us and give us ideas. Yeah, we've had a couple and we will definitely, um, you know, we we need those. We need those topics. So anything that is just kind of uh, that you're interested in or have a question about or you've got a trial coming up, just email us and let us know. You can be a guest. You don't have to be a guest. Um, Or if you've done a trial. If you've done a trial, really interesting trial, like the chicken killing. Chicken killing. You know, we would love to talk with you about that. I actually got a call today. Criminal mischief, but it's a state jail felony. Why? Livestock? Because they cut the fence containing livestock. Come on. Yep, that's a. And I was like, hey, I happen to know uh, fencing laws in Texas, so uh, I'd be a good <laughs> Pretty option. Pretty well versed in those. Yeah. Right, right. Um, that damn chicken killing. It, it, it's it's man, this, it's got legs. This podcast is paying off, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I will leave our uh, our our po- our show. Um, contact info in the show notes. Of course. Um, Someday I'll find those. Yeah. And that way, you know, some of our more savvy uh, listeners will be savvy. To, savvy. What is savvy? It? Whatever, savvy. man. <laughs> it was like Johnny Depp saying savvy. You're not as cool as Johnny Depp. Stop it. I've got Johnny Depp on the mind. Okay. All right. So today our topic actually comes from someone who's prepping for their, their LSAT. They'll probably be taking it about the time they listen to this. Uh, Ariel, who's just finished law school, she's taken her LSAT this summer, sent us a list, uh, really about a month and a half ago, a month ago, um, of questions. And 
we decided let's 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 tackle these. I think we can handle most of it in one episode. It'll yeah. be fun. And and you know these are these are actually really good questions. Um, and you know if somebody's emailing us a list of questions, then there's more than just one person wondering about this stuff. Right. Um, well, at least we hope so. Otherwise, yeah. the other 150 or so people listening to this episode are going to be really disappointed. I think we'll have some nuggets of wisdom kind of sprinkled throughout that, that uh, you know, even a seasoned attorney be like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Right. Because we have the best ideas. Crickets? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so uh, so thank you, Ariel, for, for sending these in. We really appreciate it. The first one, though, I am going to take some, um, I, do, I do take offense at <laughs> a little bit. Um, so actionable steps, and Mr. Decker, you can answer this one. Uh, well, yeah. Actionable steps we can take to improve our orator skills like Andrew Decker. Well, first you. off, thank you very much. Andrew Decker is only one <laughs> orator, orator, orator in this uh, on this podcast. So That's right. Whatever. Yeah. You want to hear from privately, Mr. Harith is for the last about four weeks giving me real hell about the, about that being the first thing on this. I list. Give him a major eye roll. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you do have a beautiful baritone voice made for radio. Unlike my face. Tell us about that. <laughs> so, uh, how how to be an orator? Like like, are there some ways to improve? First there is some just God-given things, right? I'm, I'm sure. a bass baritone with a big voice that, that is runs in my family, both sides of my family. So that's something that, that I can't teach you. You can't learn either. You, you, you can change your voice a little bit, but that's something I've just been by the grace of God given. It's my right. genes, right? Um, second, I studied opera in college. Yeah, I, I can, I've got some pipes. Third, I was a United Methodist minister for 15 years. I preached every Sunday. So I had to learn how to do 20 minutes of talking 50 times a year, plus weddings and funerals and other things. So I've had a lot of practice and that's why I then get asked to do things like be the public public announcer for soccer games and for events and MC events. And so I do these things a lot. Yeah. So part of it is just some natural gifts and then a lot of practice. There's the key right, right there. Right. Because you, you can have any kind of voice style. If you don't practice public speaking, it's never going to happen. So a friend of mine who didn't do much public speaking, uh, was recommended to go to Toastmasters. Yep, that's a great organization. Right? I don't know anything about it, but basically you go and you learn to talk in public. Um, go take a public speaking class at your local junior college if you're worried about it. Sign up to go speak at your local high school when they on career day, right? Anything that puts you in front of an audience where you have to talk and then own your space. Yeah, I love right? that. Um, I, I've talked to other attorneys that are more experienced than I am and less experienced than I am. I'll see them in court and I'm like, dude, you didn't, or, or dudette, uh, you didn't own the space. You borrowed a piece of carpet. And everyone in the room knew it and you lost at that point. Yeah. You have to come in and own the space. At least be a co-owner with the prosecutor 
But if you just oh, no. are borrowing a little piece of par- little piece of carpet for an hour while they own the space, you've lost before they ever say go. Well, and I I love that own the space. I I get just like everybody else, I'm sure. I have some, you know, jitters leading into trial. I've got some anxiety. Um, but I, I gotta tell you, I, you know, it's kind of like a duck. They say like your the feet are always moving under the surface, but on top, just like right. kind of calm, cool, collected. I have um I have to psych myself up mentally. Like this is my courtroom. Everybody else is here is invited. This is my world. This is my show. And it may come off, you know, as like cocky or arrogant, but, but I think a lot of jurors see that as just confidence. And I I agree. I think, you know, you could have a terrible case uh, with a terrible client and look confident enough in your, and you know, that may be enough to, to have a jury kind of pause and say, wait a second, maybe he is telling the truth. I mean, he's acting like it's true or, or maybe, you know, he's acting like his client is innocent or not guilty. Um, and that may just be what you need to get done. Now you don't have to be a great orator to represent your clients. Well, both Mr. Decker and I know some very, uh, some very successful attorneys who are not the best public speakers. They're very smart. They're very good with the law and they're good in trial but you wouldn't necessarily call them like compelling public speakers. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You, you have to go to your strength. Yeah. Um, for me, it is public speaking. I am an orator. I am good at it. Yeah. Um, so, but, but if you want to improve, you've got to practice. And, and to give you an idea of what I mean, when I was a preacher, I would go in the, the, the sanctuary before anybody else early on that Sunday morning whether I was serving a church of 15 people, I had a little churches when I started up to churches where there would be, there would be several hundred people. And I preached that sermon to an empty sanctuary. Like it was filled to the brim. Yes. I go through things like void ire and opening statements. Like I am often the day before the night before, like I am doing it to that room of 70 potential jurors. Well, and that's what Toastmaster is going to tell you. That's what any public speaking class is going to tell you or any book. Like you need to know this material or whatever you're going to say inside and out um, and, and practice it constantly. Practice it, practice it, practice it. And that's because not that you need to like have a memorized speech to give when you're picking a jury, but you need to know your material and your flow, your, you know, the, the, the your outline, I guess, um, well enough. Like if a jury if a juror takes you kind of down the rabbit hole a little bit, you need to be able to come back or kind of, you know, right. And that kind of leads us to the next question. Yeah. How do you stay even keeled when you get thrown a curveball when something unexpected comes up in trial or in the courtroom? So again, practice, right? I mean, I, I know, uh, when I get into trial, I've already read that offense report, read the entire case file front and back a million different times. I know the case. And if I can, if I can do a little bit of issue spotting, which Ariel, you will learn about in law school. Um, then I can have my, she's, she's completed law school. She's, she's studying for the LSAT. Yeah. So yeah, she's studying for the LSAT. So law school is presumably coming up. Yes. Sorry. LSAT, so, not, not, not bar, not bar. Exam. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in law school, you will, you know, you may be taught some issue spotting strategies, but so if I can do that and I can get some case law and I know what's going to happen, 
Um, and also like, you know, I, I probably shouldn't say this on, on our podcast. Cause it's one of my strategies. Like if I, if it doesn't go my way in trial, like I get objected to and it's overruled, um, you know, if it's a hill I'm willing to die on, I'm just going to re-ask the question, same exact way. And we'll see if they object to it again. Right. You know, I mean, it, again, that's my courtroom. Everybody else is just kind of playing there for the day. So, 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 so Andrew and I actually do, do take that. It's my courtroom thing a little differently. Um, but both of us, like I said, own the space, right? We're, we're not there. We're not there acting timid or afraid or acting like we're borrowing a little piece of carpet for an hour. And the answer is out there. The answer is out there. Just take a breath, take a breath, take a moment. If you need to ask the judge for a moment, you can, but the answer is out there. And look, if you, if you get objected to over like relevance or hearsay or whatever, likely not going to make a huge difference in your case. And if it is just know how to know how to, uh, you know, preserve error, right. Uh, for appeal or ask the question in a different way. Yeah. earlier you mentioned the juror that kind of, kind of goes a little bit of sideways during void ire during jury selection. Yeah. Sometimes you have to chase it for a few minutes. You have to decide whether it's worth chasing or if you need to look at that juror and go, that's not really going to be important. And I don't have time to discuss that right now. Right. Yeah. And and sometimes that's what you've got to do now. Part of it is thanks to uh, Michael Morton, where we get, everything they're supposed to use at trial. Yeah. And Niehaus argued right. Watkins, right? So we have right. all the material. Everything is material. There really shouldn't be a whole lot of unexpected. Now you can have a witness go sideways. The yeah. witness say stuff that the state didn't know, or we didn't know. Um, you can have someone who you think's going to do this and they do that. But on the whole, if you're well-prepared, you're going to be able to take those bumps kind of like anything else in life. And, and generally get through them relatively unscathed. I've met more prosecutors who get extremely worked up and very uh, frustrated at adverse rulings and all that. And it is not a good look. So just know like this is not, it's not personal to you. And at least I hope it's not, but you can always just, just take a second to, think before you answer, take a breath, uh, take a deep breath. And, uh, and if you need more time than that, then ask the judge for more time. Right. It's always possible. Again, it's your trial, right? right? Like you can control if if they're asking for a response, like your honor, can I just have one minute, please? Right. Okay. Um, Andrew, I'm going to let you actually answer this next one because I you're, love cross exam. <laughs> right, right. So, T- so the next one, yeah, go ahead. Tips on cross examination, um, and and I know your answer. Yeah. So read McCarthy on cross examination. It's a book. It's available on Amazon. And stick to it. That is my that that is my play by play for how I conduct a cross examination. Right. Um, we we can't teach it to you better cannot teach it to you better. McCarthy, um, is, or was, it's his last name and I, his first name is I'm blanking on, but he was a, um, federal, uh, defender, did a lot of federal law in Chicago, wrote this book and taught it for many years at the national trial Institute. Um, it is very good and it changed the way I conduct cross examinations. The, the gist is, um, one topic questions that are yes or no, 
very short and sweet. And then if you have like, if you have a, um, an answer that you want your, your witness to, um, answer in the affirmative or, or you want to get to a point, then you need to have like about five or so lead up questions getting to that. So really it's not just asking a question on that topic. It is a set of questions for that topic leading to the answer that you want. Yeah. Um, but it's very good. McCarthy on cross-examination. So you read the book? I did. Yes. Did you enjoy it? I did enjoy it. Yes. Have you read it more than once? I have. Yes. And you would recommend it to the jury? I well, uh, yeah, for to our listeners, yes. Right. Absolutely. And and not only that, like the book has has those instructions, but he also has like real transcripts Objection. using it. Answering hey, in the narrative. What do you that, I was what? actually doing the cross-examination that oh, McCarthy you, said, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even see it. No, man. I mean, come on. So yeah, I mean, that's essentially it, right? Like, yeah. It's like, why are you being so short with me? Yeah, that's exactly um, it. I was telling exactly the story I want to tell. And all you could do is say, yes, yes, yes. Right. They're no longer listening to you. This is what McCarthy says. Yes. They're no longer listening to you. They're listening to me because right. I'm telling the story. You're just saying yes. And a lot of times too, that I've noticed is our police officers, which I've known for a long time, but the police officers will look at a jury when they're answering. And it's easy for them to do that when the prosecutor is asking them questions like what happened next? And what happened after that? And then what happened? And then, and then tell us what happened. Um, because they have a lot of time to look at the jury and answer. If I'm asking them yes or no questions very fast, they're going to get very dizzy looking back and forth. Yeah, they, so, and so they start focusing stop. on you. Yep. Yep. But that's exactly what he teaches. Read the book. Uh, it's great. Yeah, it is great. Also, before I was objected to, I just wanted to point out, he does have transcripts in the back of the book that like real life examples of, you know, when it, when a, how to handle a witness who's not giving you the answer that you need. Um, how to handle, you know, all, you know, all of these different situations and scenarios. It's very good. Mr. Decker, sir, tell us about your network of expert witnesses and how you built it. Okay. So this is, uh, where you've got to find, uh, and really you've got to find a network of attorneys, um, just on the listserv. Uh, one of the listservs I'm on this week, someone was looking for an expert on sane examinations. So the sexual assault examination, somebody else was looking for an expert on uh, uh, morbidity or, or, or uh, rigidity uh, upon death, right? So, right. so like how your muscles lock up and how long that happens. That's not something you're going to just keep in your Rolodex. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but you will find when you put that out into a listserv, you're going to find some names and you're going to build it slowly, right? You don't have to have a, a set of experts. None of us have all the experts that we might need on any given case. Uh, but thankfully, uh, groups like uh, the Tarrant County D Criminal Defense Lawyers, uh, the, the Houston County, Bear County, Travis County Criminal Defense Lawyers, those smaller groups for the people in your area. But then go to, and we, we cannot praise this group enough, the Texas Criminal Defense Lawyers Association, TCDLA, go, get on, join them. Their listserv is worth your membership alone because when you need that expert that you don't know, and you'll find somebody goes, so I used one out of California. And you're like, what? And yes, you're going to end up at, you know, either the Sometimes because that is the expert that's not conflicted out in some other way, 
the court will pay for them to do the report and come in and testify. Or they should. And if they don't, that's an appellate issue. Right. So, and then you slowly build up your expert witnesses. Um, uh, Thankfully, you don't have to have all the answers you have. uh, Well, you've got friends. You've got got friends friends. and you have an entire career to figure all this stuff out, right? So, and also TCDLA, I agree, the listserv alone is is worth the price of admission, Um, but they do have an expert bank uh, along with emotions bank, form bank, and all that in their members only section. So, right. And yeah, it's, it's where you have to start. Now you, you will start finding that you have experts in certain things close to you that, you know, um, people that you can kind of call up, uh, you know, with, well, experts on immigration law, right? We we've talked about this several times on the podcast. It's something that's pretty easy. You end up going to my Padilla or you have an attorney that does immigration law that, you know, you can send them an email and they're going to write a response, you know, and depending on how much you want to spend and, you know, is it somebody you want to be, have a phone conversation with? Um, but, but you just, you find them, you, you, yeah. you learn them, you, you then build your, and the same thing with the, it's not the question, but with your referral list, right? You oh, have yeah, the attorneys yeah, yeah, yeah. on, uh, you know, I don't do family law. I've got attorneys I send them to. I have an attorney that I had on my referral list that I put too, too bad. You know, like two people came back and said, ah, I didn't like the way they handled it. And I was like, they're not getting any more referrals. Is that right? why people stop calling me? Dang. You, you don't do family law. I wouldn't send that to you. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. Cause you know, we are, especially solo attorneys, like we do have a lot of functions together. You start to know everybody else in the field. And if you have a question, your fellow attorneys are going to be the ones that you go to first, and they're going to be the ones that give you recommendations, the listeners will and all that. Um, so yeah, that is, and you know, like there's no, like, we don't have like a harem of, uh, experts, you know what I mean? Like there's not, they're not in our office. It's not like Matlock where he had, you know, a PI and a, you know, or my favorite show bull, whatever, man. Right. So, (laughs) um, (laughs) you and my mom, I swear. I love that show. It's crazy. I need to meet your mom. Uh, She and I would get along. You guys would get along. You guys would get along. (laughs) Um, but you know, I do have some experts that I'm working like on a DWI case. I know I'm hiring an SFST expert and I know I'm hiring an expert for a blood or breath test. Um, and it's not, that's a covered in my, you know, it's included in my price, you know, now. And I, it's part of my selling point when I get hired on a case, like I'm going to get these initial reports. If you want them to testify, that's an additional cost on you, but we're going to know. And I, not that I don't know what I'm looking at. It's just good information to have. The client feels better about it. And if there's anything terribly wrong with the case, you can show that to a prosecutor and say, this person is going to come in and testify and we're going to kick your cop's ass, you know? So, um, you just learn all that stuff on the fly, you know, like before I even talked to a single expert, I think it was two years I was prosecuting or I mean, I was, uh, out as a defense attorney on my own. Yeah. I, I, I've I, talked to a few, I yeah. don't talk to a lot of them. I mean, I got, I got appointed on a really serious case and I was like, I have no idea what this information is saying. It was DNA. Like, there's no way I'm going to know that stuff. Right. We can't. So yeah. It, which which is kind of the next question as well. Uh, Errol did a good job dovetailing these things without knowing. Maybe she knew, maybe she didn't. You know, how do you start learning about forensics? Right. And forensics covers a lot of stuff because really everything's forensics. Right. Forensics um, is like courtroom stuff. Right. So, right. You know, so 
Digital, so I, I still know very little. Right. So digital <laughs> forensics might be for your cell phone or your computer. Yeah. Um, uh, DNA forensics is DNA stuff. Uh, forensics of a, of a lab report. Yeah. Forensic toxicologists, pathology. Right. right. Yeah. All those things are considered forensics. Again, if it's something you don't know, which I'm not, I'm not a scientist. I don't know DNA. I'm going to have to consult an expert if that's going to be critical at trial. Now, it may be that I look at the DNA and go, for example, I have a gentleman who got the buckle swab uh, via a um, search warrant just this last week. They came to my office. They, they did it. We didn't, you know, I wasn't fighting it at all. And I said to the officer, I don't know why we're doing this. The identity is not in question. Right. Um, but they got the search warrant. We couldn't really fight it. Um, they do run it through CODA sometimes to make sure that, you know, there's not other sexual assaults that he or she might be related to. But um, I don't know enough about DNA, but I know if this goes to trial, DNA is not going to be the question. Yeah. DNA is not going to prove consent. Right. Yeah. Or it's not going to prove that she was or wasn't 16 years old. That's right. Right. That's a problem. The problem is the age, not the, not the DNA. Yeah. Um, you know, but I mean, again, TCDLA will have plenty of CLEs. Um, Lots of them. You know, like like Andrew Decker was saying, sorry, uh, if I say Andrew, nobody knows which one I'm talking about, right? Right. So, if De- so Decker was unless, saying- Unless you start talking about yourself in the third person. Which I, which I do. The royal we, right? Um, so Decker was saying, you know, he doesn't know really know anything about DNA, but you better believe if that's going to be an issue in trial, when he gets to trial- he's going to sound like an expert. Like his right. cross-examination For- is going to sound professional. His vordire is going to sound professional. Like people are going to think, okay, this is a, a scientist that went to law school, essentially. Right. Couldn't be further from the truth. We just are well-prepared. Right. Again, I have a degree in music. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, I went to law school so I could avoid science and math and all those hard things. What surprises people is I'm good, with, I'm good at doing basic math in my head. And they're like, How'd you do that? I'm like, I like doing math in my head. I'm good at that. Not um, me, man. Uh, Not me at all. Okay. So, um, but yeah, so uh, TCDLA will have all the forensic CLEs you could ever want to go to. Your local um, your local bars will have little, you know, CLE lunches or I something. I studied toxicology at my local bar. <sighs> <Ba-dum>. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, good. That's a good one, though. Yeah, thank that you. Was one of your better ones. That was, yeah, yeah. That, that one's probably a top five. <laughs> uh, Andrew, this is a good question for you. Um, how, how did you find you have a lot of really great mentors in the law? How, tell me how how did you go about finding those, uh, you know, all those guys in the partnership, not a partnership, They're not a partnership. And uh, and just in general, like how 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 would you go around, you know, fostering that kind of relationship? So some of it's dumb luck, right? You happen yeah. to meet the right person at the right time. Um, the other is, is if you have an area you want to work in, right? For us, criminal law, criminal defense, and you're in law school, go intern with the prosecutor's office, with the DA or the county attorney, right? If, you, if there's a judicial staff counsel, go intern with them. Why? Because the defense bar is going to bump up against you. They are going yeah. to be in the same room every year when Charles Reynolds, who's the judicial staff counsel in Tarrant County, uh, has his group come in. 
sometime in early June, I stopped by and I say, hey, Charles, can I say hi to your new interns? And he's like, of course. I interned with him, right? So first, Charles knows me. He's the staff attorney for the 10, now 11 district courts in Tarrant County, right? So I've written for those judges. I know their attorney. I know him. I can go in. I haven't ever had to pull rank and go in and go, hey, Charles, I need help. That's not the point. The point is, he then introduced me to every attorney, prosecutor or defense attorney that came through that had been in his office. So I met a bunch of them. I introduced myself. And then inevitably, if you, somebody will see me later and go, hey, you came by. Do you remember? I was like, yeah, I remember. And good to see you. And I hand him my business card. And I'm like, if you have any questions, call me. I hand him our business. You know, I tell him about the podcast. Listen to us, right? Some of these, you got to stick your neck out there. And then, and then hope that those, then the person that comes back around to you, call them. Yeah. I got lucky in the fact that one of my first settings, I had Max Smith and Mark Daniel as opposing counsel. If you, if you're in this part of the world, you, you know, those two names and you know, Hey dude, that's, that's pretty impressive. Um, but both of them, I, I didn't win. But both of them can remember that and they kind of go, you stood your ground, you owned your space. It's going to be okay. Um, so you got, you, most of you just got to mix it up a little bit, a little bit of luck. And then um, don't be afraid to say, Hey, can I borrow 30 minutes? Can I buy you a cup of coffee? Right. Say it as, say it as that law student, knowing you don't have money, every attorney that meets you to, for a cup of coffee will pay for the coffee. They'll buy you lunch. Right. But <laughs> you as hope. this podcast <laughs> proves, we love to hear ourselves talk. Indeed. So most attorneys are going to want to tell you their, How great their war they are. stories. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that's great. I think, you know, I started out in the DA's office. I interned in the DA's office. That's where I met my first mentor, uh, still one of my great friends and mentors in the law. Um, so I, I think you're absolutely right. Like, you know, put yourself out there. Law school is going to probably offer some kind of externship. Uh, of some sort, get a job in the courts. And the great thing about, um, you know, interning with a prosecutor's office is, you know, they, I would hope that they don't stick you in a, in a, uh, in an office for the entire time. Cause that's just not, you know, where the fun is. Um, I'm using fun in air quotes here, but um, you know, you're going to get a lot of courtroom exposure, a courtroom time. So um, just, just find yourself there. You know, one of our uh, prior guests on this podcast, Jeff Shearer, interned in the county attorney's office where we practice. And then when he graduated, he went out, hung his shingle. You know, he, uh, we took him around to, to all sorts of settings and now he's just off and running. He's doing things we've never done before, arguing before an appellate court, all that kind of stuff. So, so are you saying that one of us should be replaced and we put Jeff? Uh, yeah, he, he sounds like he has a lot better life experience than, uh, <laughs> than, than me personally. So <laughs> We love Jeff, yeah. but no, you're not taking my spot or yeah, exactly. Andrew's spot. Get your own podcast. Um, that's how you find a mentor. And, and like, you know, we get, we get emails all the time, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm a, I'm a law student looking for some work. Um, you know, and we, you know, I personally have never, have never hired somebody just by doing that, but there are attorneys who will, there are right. attorneys who are like, Oh, you know what? I do need some help. Actually. That'd be great. Um, so just, you know, there, there will be opportunity. Just keep your eyes and your ears open. Oh man, this is a good one. Misconceptions about trial law versus reality. 
All right, bull fan. All right. Tell us about that. How, well, the, how are those trials on that TV show of yours? Uh, well, first of all, Bull's not an attorney and he's sitting at an attorney council table all the time. That That is very, very rare. Sometimes God, you can have... so dumb. I watch... Again, I don't watch Superman to find out how the physics of flight works. I still point that out, though. I'm like, you know, we can't do that, people. This is fake. <laughs> and nobody appreciates it. Right. Yeah. Um, Back to Bull. We were talking about Bull. <laughs> Right. Reality <laughs> trial, real trial. See, versus... see there, the, the squirrel ran through the room and I, I, I got lost. Um, that was me. Thank you. So the misconceptions are that it's fast, right? Trial work is not fast. No, it is incredibly slow. One of the worst parts about trial law, you know, if you watch if you watch a show like Bull or CSI or yeah, Law and Order, Law and Order, and they bring in a cop, they're like, you immediately jump to, uh, and where did you find the weapon? Right. Yeah. That could be forty-five minutes into the officer's testimony because they're going to sit down and go, Officer Jones, would you introduce yourself to the jury? I'm Officer Jones uh, with the uh, blank law enforcement. All right. How long have you been in been in law enforcement? I have been in law enforcement for seven years. Where did you train? And they go through the academy. Did, were, did you serve in the military? I was in the Air Force for 17 years, right? I mean, yeah. some of it you go, doesn't have anything to do with where you found the weapon. Who cares? Who cares? Indeed. And I've objected to that uh, before <laughs> and have been soundly rejected by the court. But I'm just like, it doesn't matter what relevance, Judge. Right. Um, uh, so trial is much slower than... Um, than the reality. The reality is uh, it's slow. It's monotonous. Um, it's sometimes hard not to get lulled to sleep by the pattern of it as they just keep talking. And then what happened? And, and what then, happened next? And then I turned over the bedspread and saw blood on. And let's watch the three and a half hour long <laughs> patrol car video of mostly doing absolutely jack <laughs> squat. Um, yeah. So it, it is different. Um, it is, it is slower, but also you'd be amazed how quickly we can go through a trial on any number of topics. You think this is going to, you know, cause you, we, we hear on the news trials that last a week, two weeks, three weeks, you know, federal trials that last for several months. Civil trials last a long time. Civil trials that can last a long, long time. Uh, uh, did I say civil or federal? Federal. Right. Okay. Yeah. I just want to make sure. Um, but we'll do a DWI in an afternoon. Like I've picked a jury, had testimony, got a not guilty, went home all in an afternoon. I've, I've tried sexual assault cases that have taken you a know, day. two days, jury selection and then yeah. testimony. And that's it. That's it. Right. Um, so the misconception is, is that it's fast and, and it's loose and it's not, it is, it gets yeah. really monotonous at times. Yeah. I think jurors, um, a lot, a lot of comments I've, I've heard from jurors after a trial is done is like, okay, that was, you know, a lot more boring than I was expecting. And, and it is, you know, the excitement for the attorney is, is jury selection, cross-examination and closing all of this, all the other stuff in between, which is what prosecutors do. Boring. <laughs> Um, you know, that, that is really, it can be really slow and boring and it can be really frustrating if you just, you know, like me, you feel like they're just needlessly wasting time. Um, 
And, uh, you know, and that's just because I, I like to be, I like to have, be in the spotlight and have all the eyes on me. You know what I mean? So I just get really frustrated. I'm like, get, hurry up, make your point. Well, and, and I think that we're, we're going to skip one question. We might come back. So the difference between trial lawyers and other types of lawyers, most trial lawyers, ones who really, they want to be in the courtroom. They, they have a little bit of an ego. Uh, they, they might be a little bit, I want the spotlight. Um, uh, or they like to be able to um, point to something else, point to something greater, but they do it through their presentation. Um, uh, I think that's the biggest difference between most of the lawyers, right? I, I know guys yeah. that, that want to write contracts, that want to write wills, and they're great, great guys. And I say guys, men and women, um, they're great and they're great at what they do. But if you told them, uh, you're going to appear in court on a hearing on Tuesday that they'd lock up. They, they, they yeah. would be terrified. And I'm going Tuesday, man, it's Thursday. I got time. It's going to be ready. It's yeah. It's so much fun. Exactly. Can't wait to make fun of the prosecutor. Right. right. So yeah, and I, I agree. You know, like, just like we were saying though, I mean, it, it, I think uh, whether you're a good public speaker or not a good public speaker, I think the one thing that we have, in uh in common is like hey when we when we when it comes around time for us to do something really difficult like conducting a trial we're not going to back down we may be nervous we may there may be some fear there sure um but we're still gonna we're still gonna tee it up and and, and do it right um and you know i think i think that grit is what makes a good litigator um you know i mean i i I think those attorneys who do transactional work and do contracts and do, you know, the due diligence work and big mergers and acquisitions and all that kind of stuff, like they're very good at what they do. I'm sure they like doing that. Maybe. I don't know. When you I would, start talking about 75 and 150 page contracts that are yeah. written in 10 point font. No, thanks. Well, I mean, it's just not, it, that's it, not a skill that I have. You but know? Th those persons have to be incredibly focused on details yeah. that I, I couldn't do. Well, and we have to be detail-oriented sure. as well, right. um, but, but it's not, a it, not to that extent. Not generally, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I, you know, I, I, I think just the, just the willingness to just kind of so So going back, going back to my prior profession, right? Yeah. Um, we would talk about... Uh, when somebody said that they wanted to go in the ministry, they want to be a pastor. Part of what we would look for as pastors trying to figure out who, who should do this is did they, we would talk about, did they have a burning in their bones, right? Was there something in them that just said, I can't not do this, right? I would have a hard time not doing criminal defense at this point because I, I've gotten to where I love looking at the law and going, this law doesn't apply here because of this, like playing the, the puzzle game. And then I love doing the, this man or this woman shouldn't be found guilty because these pieces don't add up to this. Uh, th there's a burning in my bones. I love, I like, I like that. I like the way you put that. Right. Yeah. Burning in my bones. I mean, I, you know, I, I heard, um, one of one of the attorneys who who worked with Racehorse Haynes back when you know back when they were a young attorney, um, he was given a speech. Racehorse had just passed away. It was at a Rusty Duncan seminar, and um, 
And he's like, why do I do what I do? Because racehorse taught me, um, that I cannot abide bullies. And, you know, I feel like that often when we're dealing with prosecutors. Now, sometimes, you know, in a lot of time, uh, you know, prosecutors are doing their job and they're doing it well. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a fairly amicable relationship that we have. Right. But, but oftentimes, you know, you just have those guys who are just like, no, I want this person to pay unnecessarily, you know, right. and, uh, and that I just can't abide. So, so I will, I will often like, uh, just set things for trial. Even if I'm like, I just, you know, maybe they will win, but I, I'm going to make them work for it. You right. know? And so long as my client's on board, it right. is your what client it is. has to be on board. That's right. So long as my client is on board, is fully aware of everything and has made the decision to go to trial and trusts me, right. um, then I, I will just take things to trial. Um, I had a prosecutor today tell me, she's like, what is there? What? There's nothing to contest here. Like there, we've got it. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think you do. And if she's reading, if you're going off the, the offense report only, then yeah, sure. The state may have it. Right. But things change when you get in trial. A witness is not, you know, may not stick to their story. They may not show up. They may say something completely bonkers off the wall and you never know what a jury is going to grasp onto and take that back to the deliberation. I'm always amazed. I'm always amazed. And I've talked to prosecutors about this as well. When you ask a jury later. So what, what was the key moment? And they'll list something that the prosecutor and as the defense attorney, we both go, we didn't think that was important at all. Yeah. And we like jury, just basically glazed over that. Right. And the jury hung their hat on this to go guilty or not guilty. Yeah. So um, let's wrap this up because it's one of our questions that we ask everybody, but let's be specific. Andrew, do you have any books that you would recommend uh, based on trial law or about trial law? So obviously the, the McCarty book. Yes. Right. You recommended it to me. I read it. It's great. I, it's now how I write my, my, my cross-examination questions. Um, and then you got to go through and you got to read 1240, uh, not 12. <laughs> Chapter 42A. 42A. Yeah. Right. You've got to read that. You, sure. Reading the law is always good. <laughs> right. Um, but there are some sections that you've got to know. You've just got to know. Yeah. Um, 42A being one of them. Yeah. Uh, 42A is, a, is definitely one that. And, and still I went, I went and looked at it. I went and looked at it again this week as I was looking at how do, do we want to go to a judge or a jury for trial? And I looked and the judge couldn't give community supervision, but the jury could recommend it. Right. We've got to go to the jury because if we lose this guy's yeah, probation gotta, eligible, we've got to at least look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, your, your strategy and trial will be based upon what the law says you can or can't do. Right. Um, I think there's a couple of like pretty, pretty decent books out there. Um, you know, for, for uh, DWIs, you want the Andrew Grant's DWI manual. Um, that's a really good one. Uh, and then just for just life experience as a trial attorney, Jerry Spence, um, who's a great attorney up in Montana or Wyoming, uh, but been around since like the sixties or seventies has the, uh, the trial lawyers college at Thunderhead ranch. Um, it, it, he, he is a, he is a world renowned attorney and litigator. He has a book called always win your case. Um, and I just think that's a, that's just a great, uh, book to read, to get you fired up, to be a trial lawyer. So one of the things we have learned from, from doing this now for over three years, we've been amazed at the, the, the 
especially the attorneys that we look up to when you find out, when you start talking to them, how much they read. It doesn't have to be about trial law. Part of it is the more you read, the better you are at telling a story. That's right. Yeah. Also, you get other illustrations. You get ideas on how do I present this? How do I tell this? Right. Read, 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 read. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably one of the things that all, maybe all trial lawyers have in common. Every trial lawyer I've ever met, especially ones that I, that I admire and, and like, right, right. The ones that we associate with, we only associate with the best, <laughs> uh, Pre- present company included, included. included. Okay. Yeah. All right. Just say, <laughs> um, we love to read. We're, we're voracious readers of many different, uh, genres and, and all that. So, right. so and if you're I'll, Michael Tiger, you read in different languages. So, right. Jeez, that man was smart. Still is. Right. And, and for me, somebody will recommend a fiction book. I'll read it if one's recommended to me. Yeah, I don't read yeah. fiction. I, right. I, I kind of rotate between self-help, history, uh, theology, and law. Right. Yeah. If it's not in those genres, notice I do humanities right? It's kind of my, but though I feel like there's so much to learn. That's real to learn. Why do I need to read a story? A story. Yeah. No, I I'm, I'm with you, man. I, I do that. I'll, I'll rotate one of those fiction books in just kind of like clear the palette a little bit. Right. Right. Um, you know, escape into like fantasy land a little bit and then get back to reality with my other books, but they're, they're mostly like the self-help become a better person, become a, you know, run a better business serve your, you know, some other, serve other people a little mm-hmm. bit better in, mm-hmm. in whatever capacity we can. So great, great list, Ariel. Um, really appreciate you throwing this our way yeah. um, because it allowed us to, uh, you know, to kind of uh, get up in our pulpit a little bit. Yeah. Dun, <laughs> um, but I hope it did answer some questions and I hope even some uh, experienced attorneys out there or law students or, or, or young attorneys uh, got something out of it. Well, I find that just sometimes going through this stuff, you go, what, how, what do I do in that sense? What, yeah. where do I turn? Right. Why, why, why are we the way that we are? I'd rather not talk about that in a public space. But to say my, <laughs> my therapist has been asking that so, <laughs> so many times. All right. So uh, again, we are Andrew and Andrew on Texas criminal defense. We greatly appreciate you listening um, again. Happy birthday to you, Andrew, uh, to our podcast. Happy birthday. Um, this has been the longest running uh, bad joke I've ever been a part of. Uh, and, and I look forward to a lot more episodes. <laughs> Me too, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, um, you can find us on the web at Texas Crim Def Defense. Defense. Right. I get them mixed up. Texas Crim Defense.com is the website. Yeah. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. I'm not even going to try to give it out right now. I'm a little brain dead. It's it's actually been a long week for me. Just search for it. We're we're there. We're there. And find Andrew Decker. You'll you'll he'll links to it in his bio. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure I do too. Uh, anyway, thank you for listening, and we look forward to talking to you next time. <laughs>